Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Root Fiscal 2020 third quarter conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press the pound key. On the call today, we have Megan Roach, Chief Executive Officer, Norma Kennedy, Chief Financial Officer, and Kristen Davies, Head of Investor Relations, Tariq. Before the call begins, the company would like to remind listeners that the call, including the Q&A portion, may include forward-looking statements about current and future plans, expectations and intentions, results, level of activities, performance, goals or achievements, or other or any other future events or developments. This information is based on management's reasonable assumption and beliefs in light of information currently available to Roots, and listeners are cautioned not to place undue reliance on such information. Each forward-looking statement is subject to risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those proje projected. The company refers listeners to its fiscal 2020 third quarter management's discussion and analysis and or its annual information form dated May 29, 2020 for a summary of the significant assumptions underlying forward-looking statements and certain risks and factors that could affect the company's future performance and ability to deliver on these statements. Roots undertakes no obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements made on this call. The fiscal 2020 third quarter earnings release, the related financial statements, and the management's discussion and analysis are available on CR, as well as on the Roots Investor Relations website at www.investors.roots.com. Finally, please also note that all figures this discussed on this conference call are in Canadian dollars unless otherwise stated. Thank you, Ms. Davies, you may begin your conference. Thank you, Operator. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Megan Roach, our Chief Executive Officer, will discuss our fiscal 2020 third quarter operational performance. Then, she will turn the call over to Mona Kennedy, our Chief Financial Officer, who will discuss our financials in greater detail, after which we will open up the call for questions. Megan? Thank you, Kristen, and good morning, everyone. I hope you are well and your families are staying safe. Although Roots continues to experience the impacts of COVID-19, I've been happy with our progression in the face of the pandemic. We had a strong quarter, driven by improvements in our in-store performance and the continued strength of our e-commerce business, combined with our disciplined approach to promotions and cost management. Our performance this quarter is a testament to the strong fundamentals of the business. Undoubtedly, Roots is a beloved brand with a product assortment that resonates with customers and strong omni-channel capabilities. In-store traffic in the quarter remained below pre-pandemic levels. However, customers returned to our reaffirmed stores with a strong intent to purchase, driving up overall conversion rates. Our historical investments in our omni-channel platform also continue to pay dividends with e-commerce delivering impressive growth. 
In addition, our discipline approach to promotional activity, focused on cost controls, and operating efficiencies of the distribution center were important factors in our year-over-year -year bottom line improvements. Focusing on our omnichannel platform specifically, it has been apparent that in the current environment, giving customers the flexibility to shop with us in a way that best suits their needs, whether that is online, in-store, or a combination of both, has become even more important. As mentioned in previous quarters, we have the ability to ship to home, ship to store, ship from store, or allow customers to pick up the curbside. In addition, our shared inventory tool for retail and e-commerce at our distribution centers has allowed us to more easily manage shifts in customer demand across our channels. This allowed us to service the 40% increase in e-commerce revenue during the quarter. Apart from our Falls New Casino store, all these locations were open during the quarter. We were operating with strict health and safety measures in place, which included caps on the number of people in the stores and reduced hours of operation. Despite these obstacles, the store teams drove impressive increases in both conversion and average basket size. During the quarter, we also took advantage of more affordable rents and the greater availability of short-term leases to open four pop-up stores that showcased our extensive children's offerings. While each location is near an existing root store, they generated incremental sales as a result of our ability to present a full assortment of kids' products. Going forward, we will continue to explore pop-ups as we believe they represent a low-risk, high-reward approach to showcasing key products and collections, capturing rent-driven and seasonal traffic, and testing new markets. From a product perspective, we've seen a rapid casualization of the North American wardrobe over the last nine months. For the last 47 years, Reese has offered comfortable and high-quality products that have an effortless style sought by our customers. For those consumers seeking versatile options for today's new reality of work and life, Reese continues to be well-positioned. During the quarter, we saw increased demand for our core favorites, as well as strong sell-through of new products, which supported our continued focus on being more disciplined around promotional activities. In addition, we released our limited edition collaboration with OVO, which sold out quickly across the OVO e-commerce site and international store network. From an operational perspective, the investments we made to scale up our distribution center capabilities are having a meaningful impact on the business. However, it's important to remember that each week store can also serve as a fulfillment hub, which allows us to offer ship from store and buy online pickup and store capabilities, as well as our newly introduced same-day curbside pickup. The operational competencies we have developed in the retail channel around order fulfillment, particularly those these past few quarters, will certainly prove beneficial this holiday season. At the DC, we had another quarter of successfully fulfilling substantially higher order volumes and maintained strong health and safety protocols. We also captured significant year-over-year -year cost efficiencies by fulfilling orders faster and more accurately. In addition, our consolidated inventory facilitated less order splitting, resulting in greater shipping efficiency. Aside from our financial and operational activities during the quarter, we continue to focus on ways we can give back and stay closely connected to our community. Year-to-date, we have donated more than $1.5 million in products to support our local community, including approximately $1 million in product donations to Grants for Canada, to a Canadians living in poverty, and around $500,000 in donations to hospitals and frontline workers. In addition, we have leveraged the success of our non-medical mask sales to donate approximately $350,000 to local charities, including the Frontline Fund, Black Cap, and the Holland Bloorview Kids Rehabilitation Hospital, which is launching the new product line in April. During the holiday season, we have committed our mask sale donations to True North Aid, an organization dedicated to serving and supporting Northern Indigenous communities in Canada. Since our last call, we've also made good progress towards our commitment to continuing to celebrate diversity, inclusion, and equality at root, 
including establishing a diversity, inclusion, and equality council. The council is comprised of individuals from across the organization, including stores, our head office, and our distribution center. I'm also a member of the council, as are many members of the senior leadership team, given the importance of this to Ruth and me personally. Together, we have been building the framework for diversity, inclusion, and equality at Ruth in connection with our broader business strategy, which will also include training and measurement tools to assess our progress. While making lasting change will undoubtedly take time, we look forward to continuing to update you on our progress. This is an important focus for us, and we are committed to keeping the momentum going. One of our notable initiatives in the quarter was our campaign with the Holland Bloorview Kids Rehabilitation Hospital. Following our signature of the Dear Everybody Agreement earlier this year, our back-to-school imagery included many of the amazing children and youth with disabilities who benefit from all the hospital has to offer. The entire team is also excited about our recently launched holiday campaign. It celebrates the Ruth community in a truly genuine and heartwarming way, a particularly amazing accomplishment for the team given the COVID-19 restrictions they were working around. As we venture the fourth quarter with new government restrictions facing even tighter limitations on retail cooperations in important markets across Canada, we will continue to do what we have done since the beginning of the pandemic, focusing on controlling what we can and thoughtfully responding to that which we cannot. We continue to believe customers will seek our trusted brands like Ruth for their holiday shopping. We have a compelling product portfolio, strong omni-channel capabilities, and a deep commitment to our community. While we will likely operate in a period of uncertainty for some time still, we will continue to manage in the near term while keeping our eyes on the long-term opportunities. Despite the challenges faced by our business due to COVID-19, the Roots team has continued to pivot and adapt to meet the new realities of our operations. I want to thank the entire team for all of the hard work. It is an immense privilege to work alongside them every day. On that note, I will pass the line to Mona to discuss the financial results for the quarter in greater detail. Mona? Thanks, Megan, and good morning, everyone. As Megan noted, we're pleased with the business recovery we saw in the third quarter. While total sales continue to reflect the impact of COVID-19, we saw a healthy ramp-up, with sales declines narrowing significantly in comparison to Q2. Total sales in the quarter were $72.9 million, down 15.5% from $86.4 million last year. This was compared to a 38% year-over-year decline in Q2. A decline in store sales was partly offset by stronger e-commerce performance, with us recording DTC sales of $63.4 million, down from $73.9 million last year. Online sales were up more than 40% compared to the third quarter last year. However, year-over-year growth reached as high as 150% in non-promotional periods. On the partners and other sales front, sales were $9.6 million, down from $12.4 million last year. This was primarily a result of COVID-19-related declines. In terms of our Asia partner business, we're encouraged by the recovery we're seeing. It is predominantly driven by Taiwan, where we have a long-established presence. China is a comparatively newer and still small part of our business. Now turning to gross margin. We produced our best Q3 DTC gross margin in some years. At 63.8%, our DTC gross margin increased 490 basis points over the 58.9% we recorded last year. Throughout the year and also in the quarter, we continue to take a more strategic approach to promotion. With a clear understanding of our strong performers, we have continued to move away from store-wide discounts, excluding our heritage collections and our best sellers from our promotions. We also continue to test consumer response to lower discount rates, which you may have noticed during our annual back-to-school store sale this year. Additionally, we have stayed agile in our tactical approaches by closely monitoring sell-throughs of our products and adjusting our strategy according to the consumer buying trends we're seeing. 
We have seen continued success over the last three quarters as a result of this change in our promotional strategy. While this shift is likely placing some downward pressure on sales in the short term, we believe it is beneficial to the brand and profitability of the business over the long term. We are confident we're taking the right approach. As we go into the fourth quarter with new store closures, we will remain nimble. We'll respond appropriately to near-term market conditions, taking the necessary steps to effectively manage inventory levels, especially as the fourth quarter is already a more promotional period of the year industry-wide. DTC growth margins in the quarter also benefited from the increased efficiency at our distribution center that Megan discussed. We continue to manage our expenses tightly while closely monitoring our top-line performance. We recorded $26.6 million in selling general and administrative expenses for Q3 2020, down from $40.7 million last year. Of the $14.1 million decrease, $8.9 million was related to COVID-19-driven cost reduction efforts. We finalized agreements with landlords for rent abatement, which accounted for $4.5 million in total savings. We realized personal cost savings as a result of reduced operating hours and labor management accordance with store sales, and we benefited from the reduction of corporate costs in numerous other areas of the business. In addition, we realized $2.5 million in savings as a result of the permanent closure of seven of our U.S. stores in Q1. In the quarter, we also benefited from $3.6 million in government wage subsidies. We recorded $2.7 million in SG&A, $0.5 million as a reduction to cost, and $0.4 million in capitalized labor at our other factories. While some of our cost reductions are isolated to this quarter, particularly the magnitude of rent savings we obtained, there are others we plan to continue to carry forward. The current environment remains challenging, so we will continue to closely manage expenses, look for areas of cost reduction, and leverage government support and subsidy programs. Driven by gross margin expansion, cost savings, and the benefit of government wage subsidies that helped offset our decline in sales, we reported adjusted EBITDA of $19 million. This is an 80% increase compared to $10.6 million last year, which included $1.7 million in losses related to our closed U.S. stores. However, it was important to note that even without the COVID-related rent abatements and the government support, we would have still seen an improvement in adjusted EBITDA. Through diligent management across the companies, we generated improvements in margins and increased efficiencies in retail labor, PC operations, and wet shipping costs that resulted in a year-over-year improvement in contribution margin for the overall business. Now turning to inventory. Our inventory balance at the end of the quarter was $62.5 million. While this is down $7.9 million compared to Q3 2019, it is a result of timing. Delays at the court shifted some inventory receipts into the fourth quarter. Had this not been the case, we would have expected our ending inventory balance to have been up 5 to 10% year-over-year. This continues to be primarily a result of our pack and hold strategy as we're holding some inventory for sale in future quarters. As the current environment remains uncertain, we will continue to diligently manage our inventory levels and work to de-risk our overall assortment in response to COVID-19. Free cash flow for the quarter improved approximately $5.4 million over last year as a result of a reduction in CapEx and improved working capital. At the end of Q3 2020, we had $45 million in unused borrowing capacity on a $75 million revolving credit facility and net cash of $11.3 million. Net debt was $91 million, down from $133 million last year. We were also in compliance with our covenant, reflecting the ongoing global uncertainty, managing our business for near-term liquidity and cash flow remains our priority. As we look to the fourth quarter, 
Under current provincial guidelines, we have closed 20 locations in Toronto and Teal region and three locations in Manitoba. However, we're operating the stores for curbside pickup and e-commerce fulfillment. While store closures and store operating restrictions may negatively impact the momentum we saw leading into this period, we're confident our product assortment and omnichannel capabilities, as well as our proven ability to remain operationally nimble and manage costs, will position us to continue to successfully execute in an unprecedented operating environment. Just before turning the call back to the operator, I wanted to echo Megan's gratitude for the entire Roots team. I'm incredibly proud of our entire organization's ability to work together and continue to move quickly to sustain the business and maintain financial health in the face of this global pandemic. With that, operator, please open the line to questions. Great, thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. And your first question here comes from the line of Stephen McCoy with BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead, your line is now open. Uh, thank you, good morning. 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 Um, I just wanted to uh, uh, just talk a little bit about about Q4. Um, you know, you talked about uh, momentum was strong. Can you just talk a little bit about how things have progressed into Q4, maybe ahead of store closures, and then um, you know what you've seen during the period of government restrictions? Yeah, I'm happy to take that, Stephen. Um, so I think it's a good reminder that we had 25 stores closed during going into Black Friday. Um, and despite that, we're actually very happy with our performance so far. Um, we actively worked to smooth the demand. So more sales into earlier November, and we saw people shopping earlier. We were really able to leverage our CRM system, our, you know, our customer system, that allowed us to target specific customers in different ways. And so we actually got them to come in earlier and get our Black Friday sales earlier, uh, which is really beneficial to us. Um, however, you know, the stores are closed now, um, and we are operating under strict restrictions in other provinces. And so that may negatively impact our momentum going to the rest of the quarter. Um, but it's a bit too early to make a conclusion on how we're going to perform, as there's still a lot of the quarter left to go. Right. Okay. No, that's helpful. And then, are you able to comment? Like, are you able to quantify kind of what the what the take up is um, in terms of e-commerce and curbside pickup to offset, um, you know, the 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 lower in-store sales at the 23 stores that have been closed? We won't give you a specific number, but what I can comment on is, I mean, obviously in C3, you saw that we had very robust e-commerce sales. They were up year over year 40%. Um, and I think the thing to remind everyone is, you know, we came into this having the capabilities to ship from our stores. So we always had the stores at Tacoma Hub. Um, we do have curbside pickup. Um, and we share one pool of inventory. And so as a result, during our store closures, we were still able to use the store staff to do fulfillment. And we also were able to leverage store staff to do customer service. Um, so there was definitely an offset with the stores being closed, but we're not going to be able to quantify exactly what that is. Okay. No, that's uh, that's fair. Thank you. Um, and then maybe just turning to uh, the gross margin, and obviously very strong gross margin growth in the quarter um, on the promotional, uh, I guess, reduction in promotional breadth and depth. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, sort of how you see that evolving um, as you turn the page into calendar uh, 2021. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, this year, as we've uh, communicated in the past quarters, we've been focusing on reducing our promotions uh, through going less deep and also less broad and excluding some of our key categories that are quite successful for us on our promotions. And uh, it's proven to be quite successful. We're going to continue to uh, to uh, implement that strategy across uh, future years, as uh, we believe the Boost brand is loved by customers, and uh, we believe that uh, you know we, you don't you don't need any levels of promotion uh, to um, <laughs> increase that brand love. So going into future years, we're going to continue on this strategy. Uh, but it is kind of important to mention that we're in a pretty uh, volatile environment right now, so we have to stay agile, and we will continue to shift our strategy as uh, needed in future quarters and uh, also into next. Sure. Okay, that's uh, that's great. Thanks, Mona. And then maybe just finally, um, when you think about SGA money, you mentioned in, in your prepared remarks that you know a portion of the savings will continue. Um, am I right to believe that uh, you know the wage subsidies and, and rent abatement rent abatements um, will those continue into Q4 and into the next fiscal year, or are those are those uh, are those going to be uh, be sort of uh, concluded by the time you exit, having exited Q3? So the, the wage subsidy is dependent on sales declines. So the amount that we're going to be eligible for is dependent on how much sales declines we face. Um, as a, our sales have ramped up in this quarter, and uh, uh, you know the, the amount of the subsidy has obviously gone down. So how much subsidy we qualify for in future uh, quarters is going to be completely dependent on that, uh, and I believe it has been extended until June of next year. Um, and from a rent perspective, we have recognized the majority of the rent abatements, but you know it's important to know that we're uh, again experiencing some uh, new store closures and continue to have the conversations with the landlords as we go into future quarters to ensure that uh, that we. Uh, continue our financial uh, stability and profitability. Okay, that's uh, that's great. Thank you. Uh, that's it for me. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Patricia Baker with Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, just a, a few quick questions. Um, you referenced in your in your your, your remarks that. Um, that uh, people are coming to that are visiting the stores are really coming with a, an intent to purchase, and so that you had higher uh, conversion rates. Are you willing to share what the conversion rate rate was in the quarter? And then, secondly, uh, was the conversion rate higher in Q3 versus Q2? Hi, Patricia. It's Megan. Um, yeah, good Hi, question. Beth. So, we um, what I would say, I'm not going to give you the exact number, <laughs> as we haven't mm -hmm. disclosed that in the past. So, what I can tell you is, if you look at our store metrics conversion average basket UPP, they were all up actually compared to the last quarter and year over year. Um, and so we're really happy with the way those trends are performing. Uh, you know, traffic was really the only thing that, well, better than Q2, continues to remain below pre-pandemic levels. Um, and so overall, mm -hmm. we're quite happy with the other store metrics we're seeing. Okay, excellent. And then is there anything you can um, uh, talk about partners and others and any particular trends you saw uh, in the international piece of the business in Q3 that differed? substantially from Q2? You know, I think, you know, from a partners and other business perspective, you know, obviously Taiwan is the biggest portion of that. You know, China remains even still a relatively small part of our business. Um, you know, we don't give a specific breakdown in terms of, you know, how each of those businesses perform, but we're encouraged by the recovery we're seeing. Um, and, again, it's predominantly driven by Taiwan where we have our biggest presence and the longest established presence for the business. Okay, thank you very much. Your next question comes from the line of Brian Morrison with TD Securities. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Hi, good morning, Megan. Good morning, Mona. 
Um, right. First question. Last uh, last quarter, you talked about uh, strategic focus on product and better understanding the consumer. I'm wondering if you can update us on the progress you've made with respect to that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we mentioned in the last quarter that Karina Scheinfeld had just joined us in, in July. Um, and as a result, you know, one of the things she was focused on was really hitting the ground running and helping us elevate our product strategy on a go-forward basis. Um, and she definitely made a lot of progress on that. So I think, you know, I'm quite encouraged by the products coming into the pipeline for next year. Uh, we had some, you know, great performance of our products during the quarter already. Some of our core favorites continue to really excite the consumers, and particularly as people are continuing to work from home and looking for personal items that have, you know, that comfort and quality that Reese has always offered. Um, and we continue to see sell through actually of our new products also, some categories like Journey and our lounge stuff that we offer and sleep, and we continue to perform well for us. So um, that's been very positive. So I think we're going into 2021 with some good momentum on our existing product categories. And I mean, Karuna has really added to that in terms of the new and exciting innovation you should see coming into the new year. Okay, and then the second question, I'm sorry, I joined a bit late, but I think you said your e-commerce was up 40% year over year, and I think that's a trend that's likely to continue even as the pandemic eases. And I'm wondering if you put in thought or additional thought that you can share with us at least with respect to the size of your Canadian footprint and the potential to shrink it on a going forward basis. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I can answer that. So from a Canadian footprint perspective, I think one thing that's important uh, to note is that pre-pandemic, 90% of our stores are profitable. So, um, you know, as uh, we have historically done so and also going into the future, we're going to continue to evaluate that footprint. And uh, we've got the capabilities and the systems in place to actually serve our customers from an omnichannel perspective from our stores and also through e-commerce. So the size of that footprint and the format of that footprint is going to be quite dependent on um, on uh, you know how, how we want to do it and what our strategy is, and we're going to continue to evaluate it. And it could include closing some stores. It could include changing our approach, and it could include also the pop-ups that we've been doing uh, in the most recent quarters. Um, so we're going to continue to evaluate it and uh, see how how things turn out. So sorry, just to, to follow up, are you content with your store footprint right now, or do you believe there's room for improvement? Maybe I'll add on that, Brian. So, yeah, I mean, we are content with our store footprint. Um, coming into this year, I think we've mentioned it a couple of times, we actually had less than 10% of our portfolio that was loss-making, right? So we always had a very possible and robust store, store base. Um, and so obviously, you know, things have changed during the pandemic, you know, a little bit in terms of where we're seeing traffic go. Definitely, you know, urban city centers and tourist locations are facing different challenges than some of our other store portfolio. Um, that being said, obviously, you know, things are changing the next six to nine months. Um, obviously, as vaccines kick in and people start to go back to work, we anticipate seeing different trends in our portfolio. So we're happy with the overall still footprint. And what Mona was mentioning is that, you know, it's a great environment for us to be agile around how we manage it. Um, obviously, we have a robust digital platform also, and so we're really serving the customers in the way that they best need. Um, one of the things we did during the quarter was increase number of pop-ups. So we took advantage of some of the shifts in where the traffic is going and also allowed us to showcase more of our product portfolio. Um, and we also obviously have been negotiating with our landlords uh, to get concessions where we haven't seen some of the, the great traffic numbers. So um, overall, the answer is, you know, yes, we're happy with where we are today, but you're constantly looking at it uh, and monitoring it to determine, you know, what that looks like in the future. And Mona's really been spearheading that, that charge for us. That's helpful. Thank you both very much. Your next question comes from the line of Sabatcom with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. All right, great. Thanks and good morning. Um, just a quick follow-up. I know you shared some color on the inventory position. I guess what's sort of your strategy to make sure, you know, you're, even given the, some of the store closures, uh, how do you enter the next year with uh, kind of a good inventory position to start 2021? 
just some additional color on your thoughts, you know, how you might promote or things like that during Q4. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we've been uh, on top of managing our inventory quite early on. We've got a supplier base in Asia, so we started managing it, uh, you know, starting January or February and shifted our strategies uh, to make sure that we find ourselves in a good inventory position and we have a flexibility to even manage inventory levels. So we reduced our buys, we shifted a lot of the buys into future quarters, and, uh, you know, as we go into Q4, and halfway through Q4, we feel like in a, in a, we're in a pretty good inventory position. Uh, one of the strategies that we have implemented is a pack-and-hold strategy where uh, we have packed uh, some of the inventory that is our key products that customers love for future quarters, and uh, we have plans for all of that inventory. So in general, we feel like we're in a good position, and uh, by staying flexible, we've been able to manage it quite effectively. Okay, great. And then uh, just trying to uh, do some arithmetic on um, the rent abatements and the CWS uh, that Roots received during the quarter. Um, I think the – so I just want to understand the capitalized amount of about half a million dollars uh, during the quarter, just how that works. And then is it correct that that half a million is probably not backed out of the $11.3 million that we're looking at? I just want to understand kind of the what that number is and what's reflected in the, uh, the $11.3 million. Yeah, absolutely. So the half a million is uh, labor at our leather factory that basically gets capitalized into the inventory. And as we sell the inventory, it will get recognized through the P&L. Uh, so no, it's not included into in the $11.3 million exchange savings. Okay, great. And then just one last one for me on the e-commerce, I guess. You know, just kind of following up on the, uh, the Brian's question earlier around the store footprint and where traffic is going. Um, do you foresee maybe the need to add some infrastructure capacity on the e-commerce side as presumably, you know, you'll have a greater mix of e-commerce sales going forward relative to pre-pandemic. So I understand um, how you feel with your capabilities and what else you may need to add on that front, you know, as we think about the next few years. Yeah, good question. Um, so just a, again, as a reminder, coming into the, the pandemic, you know, we actually had very robust e-commerce sales in 2018. You know, we were seeing uh, in excess of 20% of our total sales coming from e-commerce actually coming into this year. Uh, and we already had the capabilities to do, um, you know, ship from store. We had the capability to do curbs, but it wasn't turned on at the time, um, but we had the capability to do it. Um, and we were already sharing one pool of inventory. So uh, we already have a pretty robust omnichannel platform in place. So when we look forward to 2021 and forward in terms of where we make our investments, um, we'll definitely continue to make investments on the e-commerce platform because we want to continue to be best in class. Um, but we are very happy with our capabilities today, and we do have a very robust situation that allows us to uh, service our customers in whichever way they need, um, even with our stores being closed in some regions. So um, you know, hopefully that answers your questions, but I think as we look forward, it's really about where we can continue to improve and less about having things that we've missed in terms of our only channel platform. Okay, so just, I guess, you know, at the current level of traffic, the capacity in your e-commerce sort of infrastructure is not stretched or anything. You're kind of comfortable with where you are now. Yeah, we're fully able to handle the capacity that we're currently seeing through our network. Okay, great. Thanks very much for the caller. Your next question comes from the line of Matthew Lee with Canaccord. Please go ahead. You're on. It's now open. Hey, good morning and congrats on the good quarter. Um, Thank you. Can, can, can you maybe discuss your strategy around holiday sales? I, I mean, I know you're pivoting away from promotional activity and large discounts, uh, but given that Q4 is traditionally significant for sales across the industry, uh, you know, and the stores are closed, uh, could you possibly push for greater e-commerce promotions throughout December? So I'll take that one. Um, so I think as we mentioned in previous calls, we had planned our promotions in Q4 to be more aligned with the industry, and by that I mean we did participate in Black Friday, for example. 
Um, however, what we did was we continued to maintain a discipline approach on discounts. So, for example, during Black Friday, we eliminated the daily deals that we had done in previous years. We reduced the overall discount that we were offering, and then we excluded more, more items uh, from the promotion. Um, so we were continuing to play in this promotional period. Um, you know, there's always a cutoff from an e-commerce perspective in terms of you know, when you can get the goods to the customers, um, just to, given the carrier's constraints also. And so from our perspective, that's actually coming up the 13th of December. And so after then, we will be looking to our stores to be doing curbside pickup and doing a number of things to obviously you know, drive traffic in that way. Um, so we are continuing to play in some of the promotional cadence, just taking a more disciplined approach to how we do it. Um, and then we are pretty confident in our, again, our e-commerce capabilities to service our customers during the period of time that e-commerce is going to be a viable option because of all the shops for the holiday period. Right. And maybe a follow-up to that, you know, um, have you done any additional surveying this year from consumers around brand perception now that, you know, you've reduced the promotional activity and you've been more strategic about discounts? Because I'd imagine yes, the low discount level um, will drive, but, you know, more premium branding in terms of the eyes of consumers. Yeah, you know, actually, we just completed a full consumer survey last month, um, and uh, we were continuing to be very happy with the perception of the brand amongst consumers. Um, you know, again, you know, one of the things that it tells us is we have very high NPS scores. We saw an increase, actually, in our overall NPS score uh, year over year, which is great. Um, we continue to see very loyal customer base. I mean, our customers, um, you know, over 50% of our customers have been customers for more than 10 years, which again is fantastic. And our product categories are continuing to resonate with them. So um, everything that we do in terms of testing our customers today has been very positive in terms of response. Um, you know, despite the fact that we've been reducing promotions, we are, we're seeing continued excitement around the product from our consumers. And uh, so it tells us we're doing the right thing. And then, and then maybe just a, a math question just to, to kind of, uh, you know, clean up some housework. Um, you, you know, you just around 60 million to 70 million of e-commerce sales last year, um, I believe, or you know, around 60 million. Uh, does that mean, given you know the statistics you've been seeing so far, that you know this year could be almost 100 million dollars of e-commerce? You know, Matthew, it's not something that we disclose. Um, so I'm going to leave it to you to kind of back into the math based on the numbers you disclosed in previous quarters. Um, you know, we uh, we just we just don't disclose on a specific quarter by quarter basis um, specific numbers coming from that channel, as we do believe that you know we really are an omnichannel retailer, and you can see that you know with the fact that our stores are closed, we see shifts to digital, and then when our stores are open, we see you know a more balanced approach to where people are buying, and so we really view it more as that we're serving our customers in the best way possible, and they can come to us through any channel that they possibly want, um, but we don't really look at the channels in that isolation, so we don't want to disclose the specific uh, information at this point. All right, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And I'm not showing any further questions that are in the queue at this time, so I'll turn the call back, sorry, turn the call back over to Megan Roach for closing comments. Thank you, operator. That concludes today's call, and thank you all for joining us. Um, on behalf of the Roots team, I would like to wish everyone all the best for the holiday season. Even though it will likely look very different this year than most uh, for all of us, we, we do look forward to having guys all go to Roots stores and hopefully continue to buy products where you can. Uh, we also look forward to updating you on our progress in the new year when we'll report our key for fiscal 2020 results. So have a great day and stay safe. And ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.